0: One and welcome to Thorough Newspaper Analysis which is brought to you by Eco. So today we have two articles for our discussion. The first one is a multipolarity scripted by the middle powers. So this talks about that how countries like India, Japan etc can develop this world into a multipolar world. And the second article is from the Indian Express which is titled as what money transfer outside banking system signals. So this basically talks about the new regime of digital payments that has taken up in the country and how this is going to benefit in the coming future of the market. With this, let's discuss the first article for the day which talks about multipolarity by middle powers. So the four middle powers that are discussed as Japan, Iran, Turkey and India have the capacity to project power regionally build alliances and support strategies of the international powers. Now, here, why are we calling these four countries as the middle powers is because of their geographical location on the world map. Now, as we know that the Western countries or the West powers are considered to be generally as the USA and then definitely because of the virtue of their position in the globe that that both that all Japan, Iran, Turkey, and India are almost on the central side of the globe and that is why are called as the middle powers. So this article says that all these four countries have the potential to make this world a multipolar world. Now by saying multipolar, what do we mean here is that here that uh, the Instead of having just one center of the power, like for example, at times there was only USA. Then maybe there were USA and the USSR. So instead of having you know specific centers of powers, it is always better to have the power distributed amongst various countries. That is why, as we know, that recently India has also been chosen as the non-permanent member of the United Nations Security Council. So one of the agenda that has been chosen up by India is to make this world a multipolar world, and that is why this. The article says that not only India, rather countries like Japan, Iran and Turkey along with India have a good capacity to project or to put in this power regionally and thus these countries can build in alliances and can build up the support strategies for the international power holding. So if we talk about the new cold war which is going on, now what is this new cold war? So the US continues to view China as its principal adversary on the global stage. Now, as we know that it's been now more than two years that the US-China trade war has been on the upfront. So these days also we can see that the United States is projecting China to be its principal adversary. Generally, when we saw that which countries are kind of the adversaries to US, three names used to come to our minds, First was North North Korea, second was Iran, and third was Russia. But nowadays, keeping in mind the relationships, uh, the deterioration of relationship that has been developing between US and China, even China is sought to have been becoming an adversary of the United States as also the U.S. blamed China for this entire pandemic of coronavirus and has also called uh, on the like-minded countries or the states to curb China's growth. Now that is why even when we talk about India, when many a times it is considered to be as a swing power. Now why do we consider India as a swing power? Because many a times it is seen that India has good relations with both China and US. Now, obviously, keeping in mind the latest developments, some issues have been going on with China, specifically regarding the Ladakh and the Galwan Valley issue. Then also some reg- some uh, issues with China, with uh, US have been going on regarding the CAATSA, which we have discussed many a time, which is countering, uh, China, uh, countering America's adversaries through Sanctions Act, But still, it is said that India has the potential to choose any one of them. And that is why it is said that whichever would be the choice of India shall be the country that will have a greater say specifically in the Pacific region. And that is why US has many a times sought India to come together to curb China's growth. And thus, US's hostility for Russia has also developed and everybody knows that since the time memorial, since the time of world war, US and Russia have not had very good relationships and since Russia's war with Ukraine and the occupying of Crimea in 2014, and the allegations of Russian cyber interference in the U.S. presidential elections of 2016. So this has also, you know, deteriorated the situation between U.S. and Russia. So this resulted in closeness of Russia and China. Now, since when we say a very, you know, a common saying wherein we say that the enemy of your enemy is your friend, you know, so a foe of a foe is your friend. When in Hindi also a popular saying goes like "dushman ka dushman dost hota hai." So in that consideration, it is said that since U.S. has been always an anti of Russia. And now since it is also developing hostile relationships with China, this has actually brought Russia and China together. And that is why many kinds of transactions and many kinds of developmental activities are also taking place between Russia and China, which is also called in general as the Great Eurasian Partnership. And thus, it is also reflected in the Indo-Pacific versus Eurasia. So because as we know that in the Indo-Pacific, the uh, USA is a very dominant power over here, whereas in Eurasia, Russia and China are dominant powers. So if we talk about the middle powers, so if we talk about Japan, Japan definitely is a part of Quad. Now, as we know that there are four member nations that are there in Quad. The first one definitely is Japan. Then we have India, we have US as well as the Australia. So it is also Japan is a member of Quad and has a territorial dispute with China over the Senkaku Islands. Now we have discussed this several times before as well, that the Senkaku Islands, which are also known as Diao Islands in China, they are situated in the East China Sea and there is a territorial dispute about the Senkaku Islands between China and Japan. Also, there is significant import and export with China. Now, here there are both kinds of relationships. Positive in terms of import and export is also there, and some kinds of negative relationship in terms of the dispute over Sankaku Islands can also be seen. Then if we talk about India, India itself also is a part of Quad and then it has issues related to border and Chinese interference in the South South Asia. So there are two prominent issues with China within China and India. The first one definitely is at the Pengongso Lake and then the sides of uh, Galwan and also the region of Aksai Chin, which was taken by uh, China. And then if you talk about South Asian nations, wherein China tries to develop its interference and its influence, specifically in the South China Sea, which definitely is not appreciated by India, as India also being the member of SAARC, which is the South Association South Asian uh, region for you know entire cooperation. Right. So, then we have Iran. So, if we talk about Iran, so scribbling sanctions by US and the frequent threats of regime change makes it a natural ally of the Sino-Russian Axis. So, as we know, when I was just discussing about the CAATSA, which is countering America's adversaries through Sanctions Act, so, Iran is something that is always there on America's radar and any country that tries to develop any positive relationships with Iran is definitely not liked by US. And thus, Iran is not very uh, friendly towards the US as well. And also, the recent JCPOA issue, which was the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action issue or the Iran nuclear deal, from which US had unilaterally pulled out its, uh, itself has also made Iran more hostile towards America. And also, it has actually made Iran to shift more or become a friend of the Sino-Russian Axis. Please remember, whenever there is is this term Sino used, it means Chinese or China, okay? So that is why it has made it or brought Iran closer to China and Russia as compared to US. And if we talk about Turkey, so the neo-Ottomanism of President Recep Tayyip erdogan of turkey was achieved through steady distancing from west and alignment with russia and china now for this we need to understand as to what do we mean by the new ottomanism basically the ottoman empire ruled turkey and the nearby areas for a very long time and new ottomanism basically is considered to be a political thought process or a political system of thought wherein the Friends that were there of the Ottoman Empire back then, the rule of the Ottoman uh, Ottomanism or the Ottoman Empire. Are now the countries that are considered by Turkey to be friends now as well. So at that time, it had good relationships with Russia and China, and thus this neo-Ottomanism also, which is taken care of or which is being pulled by the current president of Turkey, who is Recep Tayyip Erdogan. So he also is a follower of the neo-Ottomanism, and thus it is naturally drawing him closer to Russia and China and pulling uh, Turkey away from US. But it still wishes to continue ties with US. So it is not something that it absolutely wants to clear up ties with US, or would not, does not want to do any kind of transactions with America. But still, it is showing some kinds of, you know, affinity towards Russia and China. With this, let's discuss the second article for the day which talks about transferring money without a bank. So, this article says that anyone will be soon able to send money online or withdraw the cash using a mobile wallet or any non-banking entity using a real-time gross settlement which is the RTGS system or the NEFT. So, as we know that till the date, the NEFT was a very popular system of net banking and making transactions that were very easy and could be done online. Similarly, this new system that that is, real-time gross settlement is also coming up, wherein it will be made very much easier to have a mobile wallet and to make online money transactions. So if we talk about this new facility, so the Reserve Bank of India has proposed to enable payment system operation to take direct membership in the RTGS, which is the real-time gross settlement and the NAFT. So this initiative is expected to minimize the settlement risk and enhance reach of financial system to all user segments. Now, as we know that even if we talk about the current situation of digital payments in India, though it has become a common thing since uh, the times of firstly the demonetization of the money and the secondly, uh, since the time the lockdown had been put up. So definitely digital payments have reached uh, a greater number of people as compared to the previous times. But still, we have seen that there are a lot of people specifically in the rural areas or the people. That are not very well educated, that seem that uh, they, that seem to believe that there are a lot of risks that are involved in digital payments that are done online, and even it becomes difficult for them to access or learn these facilities. But now this new system, which has been proposed by RBI, uh, this will be made easier, and also the entire settlement system will be made uh, very much risk-free, and any kinds of risks of frauds shall be minimized and it shall be made sure that a larger user base can uh, use this particular facility. Also, the entities will not be eligible for liquidity facilities from RBI. So with this, the implications that are attached to this are that it would increase the digital payments and transactions and the individual's credit profile will also be available to non-bank entities now. Now, having more people using the digital payments or transactions is not a bad thing, but with this also comes huge responsibility to take care of various frauds that are being taking, that are taking place these days. And also, what will be another uh, con of this is that the information of the credit profile of various individuals will be available to various non-bank entities as well so these non-bank entities various can be you known like google pay mobi quick etc and this will allow the non-banks to withdraw cash up to rupees 2 lakhs and the eligibility for this particular initiative will be given to google pay mobi quick, phone pay amazon pay etc and thus the transfer will be allowed only to the kyc compliant entities so for this entire kyc with the Aadhaar verification will have to be done for using this particular facility So, if we talk about the future of the financial technology, which in short is also known as the fintech in India, so India is on the way to become Asia's top fintech hub with an 87% of fintech adoption rate against globally just as 64%. So, definitely we can see huge change in the entire ecosystem of the financial system in the country. And India's fintech market value is expected to reach rupees. 6.2 lakh crores by 2025 which is significant and if we talk about the way forward which is attached with this these kinds of facilities in the coming future Social distancing that is a physical distancing during the pandemic led to the digital mode of transactions being preferred over cash as we know that nowadays either we are going for online shopping and even that too we are uh, preferring to pay in advance and even if we buy stuff from the uh, you know super stores or anywhere either we are using our atm cards via debit or credit cards or even you know facilities like google pay phone pay paytm etc and for the commercial banks to survive, it will be important for them to adopt the technological changes so that they can keep up the pace with the growing uh, changes in the financial market. So this was all for the day. If in case you wish to be view the news and flash, so from now on, we are starting a new initiative wherein there will be a separate video for the news and flash analysis. So you can go through that as well. It will be available soon on our channels.